word that God really put in my heart this morning um, wasn't something that I was expecting, um, but it's definitely uh, something that the Holy Spirit convicted me uh, about. And let me tell you something that I know about your life this morning. You live a very, very busy life. And you're now looking at me, wow, this pastor must be a prophet. How does he know that about me? He must be really spiritual, really anointed. Well, this is probably the, the, the least spiritual thing, the least prophetic thing you're going to hear from me this morning. Because statistics alone show us if you live in Portugal, if you are in Portugal, your life is probably very chaotic, very busy. We have people in our community that don't even have a fixed schedule in their workplace. Some of you work not just 40 hours a week, but 50 or 60 hours a week. And how many of you have to monitor your work even when you are away from work? Raise hands. Who has to monitor your work? Only Gabby. Okay. And John. Okay. You're the, you have the, the longest straw. You, you lose at this game. Because it happens. Our lives are pretty hectic. But today I'm not, I don't want to make you feel bad about being busy because busy, I believe, is a good thing. I believe that being busy is a good thing because life is supposed to be busy. I mean, if you have kids, and uh, many of us grew up uh, as kids in the household, you know life with kids is always busy. It's busyness all the time. From, now, from time to time, Gabby and I, we think about how life was before Jade, and it has nothing to do with life after Jade. Just this little tiny person came into our lives, and all of a sudden, all free time, I mean, I don't even know what free time is anymore. Time just went out of the window, and life is very different, and I made this pie chart just to help you figure out how was the first months with Jade. It's basically laundry, Jade's eating, Jade's activities, trying to put Jade to sleep, which is something different than Jade sleeping. And then while Jade is sleeping, that's when we shower, when we work, when we eat, when we go to sleep. Even preparing this message that um, I, I gave the title, Simplify, I couldn't tell Jade, Jade, now daddy is simplifying his life, so you have to figure out how to eat by yourself. You have to figure out how to go to the bathroom by yourself. You can't do that. You just can't say no to work. You can't say no to your family. You can't say no to your church. There are a lot of things in life that we cannot say no to. We live very full lives. But you know who else lived a very full life? Jesus. Jesus lived a very, very full life. It says in John chapter 21, verse 35, Jesus also did many other things. So the Gospel of John and, and the four Gospels, they explain the things that Jesus did in his three years of ministry, just three years alone. And we think, wow, these, just these miracles, just these preachings are a lot of work. But he, the John admits Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Jesus did a lot with his life, things that we don't even know. 
in 24 hours alone, we see this moment in, in the Word of God. In 24 hours alone, we see Jesus praying, walking on the water, calming a storm, feeding 5,000 and raising the dead. In 24 hours alone. And at one point we read in John chapter 4 that Jesus sat by the well, not just because he wanted to meet the Samaritan woman, but the Bible says that Jesus was tired from the long walk. We see Jesus sleeping in the boat in the middle of the storm because he was tired. And there is nothing wrong with being tired. Let's look at Paul's life. You know who Paul is? The Apostle Paul? Let's try to put his life on, on a pie chart. He has stress about churches, being adrift at sea, preaching the gospel, beatings, prison, and danger. Maybe you could even fit a lot more things. And if, if a life coach, does any of, you, any of you is a life coach? I don't know. Okay, we have, we have a few. If, if you go to Paul and you're a life coach, you would say, Paul... I really look at, on how you are spending your time, and I don't feel that being adrift at sea is the most correct use of your time. You should probably spend more time preaching the gospel, right? Because that's a more uh, fulfilling thing to do with your time. But even through danger, prison, beatings, things that he didn't plan for himself, we don't see Paul complaining about how his life turned out to be. And even Christian life. Living as a, a, ch a child of God, when you read the Bible, this is a little bit of what it looks like. It's suffering, rejoicing, trials. It's perseverance. It's confusion. confusion. But at the end of the day, you and I, we spend most of our time waiting. Do you relate to this? We spend most of our Christian life waiting. It's the core of our lives where minutes feel like hours. And every one of us is waiting. We cannot fit God's promises into this perfect schedule. And most of the times, we are in the land that we can call the land of I don't know. The land that is uncomfortable. The land where things are outside of our control. But we feel that we have to do something. We still have to figure out how things should be going. We need to figure out how I'm going to live the next three months, the six months, the next 10 years and 20 years of my life. But God always, God has this thing. He always takes us and leads us to circumstances and situations where we do not know what is going to happen next. And just think about Moses, for instance. God tells Moses, you're going to go into Egypt and going to take my people out uh, uh, of, of slavery. And when uh, Moses approaches the people, okay, guys, it's time for us to go. Where are we going? Well, I don't know. And God tells it, well, you're going to speak to Pharaoh. You're going to tell him you need to go. Oh, how am I going to do that? that? I don't know. Abraham, God told him, you're going to leave your land and go to a different land that I'm going to show you. And when Abraham tells his family, well, family, it's time to go, they ask him, where are we going? Abraham is like, I don't know. God tells him, you're going to have a son. How is it possible? I'm almost 100 years old. I don't know. Even last week, when we uh, explained and we unfolded this story of Christmas, God unfolded this plan to Mary of her becoming the mother of the Savior. 
And she asked, how is this possible? I don't know. And even in this room today, we have so many people, and I believe all of us, there are things in our lives that right now we do not have the answer to. There are way too many things in us, about us, about our future, about our problems, about our circumstances, that our honest answer is, I don't know. So my conclusion, and I'm not going to end the sermon, but my conclusion so far, based on the Word of God and our, my life experiences, life is not balanced at all. At least it's not balanced the way that we think our lives should be balanced. Because life is not a pie chart where everything is sorted out, everything is perfectly divided. I'm going to spend as much time with, with my wife as I spend time at work, as, as I spend time with family and friends, as I do this, as, as I do that. It's impossible because there are way too many variables. There are way too many things that change all the time. And simple things, it can be a flat tire, just the kids getting sick, but it can also be surgery, something major, or even the passing away of a, a, a close relative. And then at those moments, what happens to your schedule? What happens to your perfect life, your perfect plans? And I was reading the Word of God and trying to figure out as well for me, for 2020, how should I live my life when there are way too many things outside of my control? And I realized this from the Word of God. God does not demand a perfect life balance from you. God does not demand that you have a perfect schedule. God doesn't even promise you that you will have a perfect life balance. And obviously, we need a plan and be productive. So don't take my, just my word for it and throw your agendas away. Let's just not plan for anything. No, absolutely, we need to clarify. But you can have an empty schedule and have no peace. And you can have a very full schedule and have peace. We are living in a time in history where people have never been as productive. As, as now, as they are today. We have internet. We have smartphones. We have apps that are capable of doing crazy things. We have conference calls. We have time management uh, schedules and apps. But yet, at no point in history uh, have, uh, have we had so many people that are anxious, so worried, and so depressed. Because our problem is not busyness. Our problem is not time management. Our problem is the heart. And the Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So we need more than a well-balanced life. We need a well-ordered heart. That is what the Word of God teaches us. The heart is the source of life. Your schedule is not the source of your life. What you need to address first, what I need to address first, is not the chaos that goes around outside of me, but the chaos that happens right inside of my heart. Our inner life is our true life. And the Bible says we need to guard it. We need to guard our hearts. And obviously, many of you, if we tell our stories of how we met Jesus 
most of the time, 99.9% of the times, we, we came to Jesus because our lives were a mess. Our hearts were such a messy place, and we needed someone to clean it up. We needed Jesus to figure out something. And we needed, we understood that we needed to receive a new life. We needed to receive a new mindset, new desires, new priorities. But still, in the day of today, even walking with Jesus, most of our problems are heart problems. We don't have schedule problems. We have heart problems. We don't have marriage problems. We have heart problems. We don't have issues with pornography. We have heart issues. Because everything that we do comes from inside our hearts. And if we figure this out, when the fruit of our life is not correct, we need to check the root. If the fruit is not correct, we need to check Check the root. And the root in our, in our lives is in our hearts. We need to check what is going on inside. And obviously, when we figure out there is a problem in me, I need to come to God first. I need to come to him. God, help me do something with me. We need to seek him first. We, we, sometimes we have to put aside food. We have to just focus in him. We have to receive help from people uh, godly people that are around us. We, we need to do what we can and, and work with God to take care of the issues that lie inside of us. And the heart is, is, is that problem. Before we can go and worry about our schedules and worry about the symptoms, we need to worry about the cause. And Jesus said this in Matthew 15. Don't you know that whatever goes into the mouth goes into the stomach and then into a toilet? I really like this translation. You never see in the Bible Jesus saying the word toilet. Well, here you go. God's word translation says Jesus said toilet. And I know it's a bit awkward just stating this time and time again, but he is making a point. He wants us to understand something that is very simple but very hard for us to live out. Then he continues on saying, but whatever goes out of the mouth comes from within. And that's what makes a person unclean. Evil thoughts, murder, adultery, other sexual sins, stealing, lying, and cursing come from within. And I know that Jesus, probably he wasn't being very intellectually profound, but he spoke things exactly as they are. And we focus too much on the context. We focus too much on the chaos that goes outside. And we neglect our hearts. And we forget to let God to seek our hearts. The Bible says in Proverbs 21 too, a person thinks everything he does is right. This doesn't apply to any of us, right? We, we know that we are very flawed. We all know that uh, nothing that we do is completely perfect, right? No, it's just, just me. Okay. We think that everything we do is right, but the Lord waits hearts. God sees things very differently than us. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 16, he told uh, the prophet Samuel, you're going to pick the next king of Israel because this one is not cutting it. This one is not working out. So you're going to pick the next one. And he goes to Jesse's household. And Jesse brings his, his sons 
like warriors, big guys. He probably picked first the eldest and then all the other, uh, other sons that he had. But Samuel was looking at them and, and God was saying, no, not this one. No, next one. No, not this one. Next one and next one. And all of a sudden, everyone was frustrated because there were no more sons in the room. And they, finally, they, they brought David, this very little shepherd boy. He was a harp player. Oh, my gosh. But God says, there you go. Here's your king. You can proceed anoint him. And God convicts Samuel of this and speaks to him and says, God does not see as humans see. God does not see as we see. Humans look at outward appearances, but the Lord looks into the heart. So our focus this morning, and I hope as we look inside and allow God to look inside, what is inside your heart? What is inside your mind? What is inside uh, you that is motivating your actions, your decision-making, your feelings, your emotions? What is inside of you? Before we go into 2020, before we plan and we have to do a lot of things this new year, January, like we just don't have to pay insurance and that stuff. A lot of things depend on our decision making for this next year. And if it's such a crucial time for us, we need to look inside. We need to see what is inside of me. How can I have a well-ordered heart? And I just want to give you five, five pinpoints, five suggestions, five really strong uh, principles from the Word of God that you need to apply, I need to apply, and we need to live according to the Word of God. And the first thing we have to do is to submit our ways to the Lord. Most of the times, we don't know what is going on. Most of the times, we're in the land of, I don't know. Most of the times, we are going through turmoils, valleys, hardships. And where do we go in our minds? We need to trust the one who knows. Psalm 131 says, Oh Lord, my heart is not conceited. My eyes do not look down on others. I am not involved in things too big or too difficult for me. Instead, I have kept my soul calm and quiet. My soul is content as a weaned child is content in its mother's arms. We need to quiet our souls. I need to stay in my lane. We tend to worry about so many things that are, are, that are ours to take. We worry and we work ourselves to the limit because we want to fix things. We want to do things ourselves. We, and the Bible says at the end of the day, this feeling this, that we have in our hearts, it's called pride. Because we think we can solve all things. I can solve all things through me. If I think hard enough, if I focus hard enough, I'm going to do everything. Okay, I'm going to fix my life. But there are so many things that are too great, that are just beyond our understanding. And this is what this psalm is saying. So we're now going to do some therapy here at Riverside Lisbon. Are you ready? Are you ready for some therapy? Yes. 
Okay, so here's the therapy for you. Just stop it. Quit it. You are not God. You are not going to figure out everything. You do not know everything. And you need to trust the God who knows all things. You need to learn to quiet your mind and your soul in God. It's a consequence of knowing the God that you are serving. And God, the same way that God is worthy of our praise, of our songs, of our Bible reading, of everything, he is worthy of our rest. He is worthy of our quiet hearts because it's only possible when we trust him entirely and completely. Psalm 37 verse 5 says, give your way over to the Lord, trust in him also, and he will do it. Jesus lived the busiest life, the busiest life ever, but he was always doing the right thing with the right people, with the right motives, at the, with the right solutions, at the right time, because he was focused in what was important. Because he was busy, but being busy doesn't mean to be anxious and worried about everything. You can be busy, and it's important that we are busy. We are accomplishing things in life for God, for ourselves, for our families, to see God do something with us. But that doesn't mean that the burden is on you. It doesn't mean that you have to do all things. The Bible says he will do it. When? <laughs> I don't know. But he will. And that's the promise. At his time, when he decides he is going to do it, every promise is ours in Christ. He will make our path straight. I just need to learn to trust the God that is the Lord of my life. So every time we get out of bed in the morning, every time before we even get out of bed every morning, we have to come to God. God, this day is yours. My life is yours, Lord. I don't want to solve everything. I don't want to have to, have to figure out everything. I'm, I'm sorry when I try to do that. I submit to you. I submit my life to you. And help me to repent when I do wrong. Help me to recognize that I'm going outside of what you asked me to do. And I can't do anything without you. That's how we should start our days. And then I go to the kitchen and grab a coffee because that helps too. Otherwise, I couldn't do anything else. Secondly, let God establish your priorities. Proverbs 9 verse 1 says, wisdom has built her house. She has made seven pillars to hold it up. And it's a very interesting uh, verse because if you continue reading the chapter before and after, you don't see what are these seven magic pillars that hold, hold up a house or hold up a life. How can we live? What are these seven principles? We don't know. But I believe that the point that is being made here is that any life, any house that is holed up, it needs to be holed uh, up with priorities, with things that are non-negotiables, things that doesn't matter if it's raining, it doesn't matter if it's sunny, it doesn't matter if I have a call, it doesn't matter if I'm sad or if I'm happy. These are the pillars. And this is a sign of wisdom 
And what are some of the non-negotiables in your life? What are some of the pillars that you have established uh, with the wisdom from God's word? Matthew 6, 31 and 33. Jesus said, don't ever worry and say, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear? Oh, Jesus. Jesus said so many things that are very crazy, very complicated to understand. Obviously, everyone is worried. Everyone is terrified. We don't know, and we want to figure things out. But Jesus says, don't ever worry. Everyone is concerned about these things, and your heavenly Father certainly knows you need all of them. Jesus isn't diminishing our needs. He recognizes our needs. And our Father in heaven knows the things that we need. He knows how busy our schedules are. He knows that we cannot say no to many things that come up. He knows that life is complicated. But he tells us this, but first... But first, priority, first, a pillar, first, a non-negotiable. Be concerned about his kingdom and what has his approval. Then all these things will be provided for you. We need the word of God. We need God's wisdom to set what are going to be the non-negotiables for 2020. What are some things in my life that I'm not willing to let go just because I'm busy, just because I have a lot of things to do, things that are non-negotiable for you. Some of the non-negotiable things for me are praying, Bible, reading the Bible. These are non-negotiables. Church is a priority. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter if I feel like it, if I'm tired, if I've lost a leg, if I lost an eye, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to be with my family. That's a non-negotiable. And the whole family needs to come to church. I remember when I was a teenager even, oh, I don't feel like going to church today. Well, tough luck. You're going to go to church because this family goes to church. And when you're 18, when you leave this house, you, you decide what to do. But me and my household, me and my family, we will serve the Lord. So you're going to come to church. That's a non-negotiable. It has been a non-negotiable for my family for years and years. Non-negotiable, give God what is his. Use, allow God to use the resources that he provides me with for his kingdom and for his glory. That's a non-negotiable. I'm not going to let anything take that away from me. We need to help. We need to have God's help to establish our priorities or non-negotiables for this next year. Thirdly, renew your mind by reading the Bible, reading the Word of God. Romans chapter 12 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. When we spend time in the Word, we change. Those of you who are part of Riverside, do, do we emphasize this enough? The importance of the Word of God? Be honest with me. Do we emphasize it? Is it important to us? It is essential. We need to spend time with God's Word. We need to replace our own thoughts and ideas and feelings with the thoughts and feelings that come from the heart of God to our heart. 
And I don't have a problem with that. I prefer to submit my own will and my understanding of things to receive God's understanding of things and submit to him. Because when you do it, there is life. There is wisdom. There is purpose. There is power for us. Just by reading this book, just by being in contact with this holy book, we have the power of God in our hands that wants to come inside our hearts and do God's work in us. And I want to challenge you, 2020, I'm not going to ask who has read the Bible, the whole Bible, in a plan or on your own, uh, who has read the whole Bible? This is between you and God. But we recognize that the whole Bible is the word of God. And it's important to know it all. So my challenge for you, 2020, are you ready? We're going to read the whole word of God. We're going to read the whole thing. And there are, we have this, um, this uh, five-day Bible reading program. If you read your Bible five days a week, it doesn't even have to be seven days a week. Even five days a week, you can read the whole Bible in a year. And it won't take more than 15 minutes a day. How amazing is that? It doesn't, it's not something that you're going to be, have to be closed in the house in the mountains on your own for days and weeks and months to do. 15 minutes a day, you can read the whole Bible in a year. And if, if you can do this program, there are more flyers like these in the back. Uh, take one if you seriously consider. Otherwise, we'll have to print a lot more. But if you take the challenge, if you accept the challenge, I'm going to read the Word of God, the whole Word of God in a year. I want to soak in the Word of God. I'm probably not going to understand everything. I'm not going to figure out everything. Otherwise, I would have to study and a lot, go a lot deeper. But I just want to be in contact with God's Word. And allow the Holy Spirit to open my eyes, open my heart, change my character. Because this is a holy book. This is the word of God. And you can choose this plan. You can choose a different plan. You have the Bible app as well that helps you. It has hundreds if not thousands of different plans that you can read the whole Bible in a year. But hopefully, and we're going to be very honest, if you are able to read the whole Bible in 2020... January 2021, the church is buying you a restaurant meal. We're going to go together to celebrate. Is that fun? Sounds good? Okay, let's see who, who ends up reading until the end of January then. Just the end of January. But let's accept this challenge, not for the restaurant meal. Let's accept it because it is God's word. Because it's worth it and we need to become the people that God wants us to become, being transformed into a new person. And that, this leads us to point four, refuse stinking thinking. It's an expression in the UK, and the point here is don't give room to lies in your head. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10-11, say, I don't want Satan to outwit us. After all, we are not ignorant about Satan's scheming. Now, Christians have different perspectives and uh, the way that they talk about the devil. Either uh, the devil gets the blame for everything wrong in the world and the devil is everywhere and the devil is the cause of me stumbling on the, on the rock and the, 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 it's all about the devil and rebuking the devil. Or some other Christians, they don't even mention the devil at all. It's like he doesn't even exist. 
But Jesus called the devil the father of lies. And and these lies, they work in our minds. We know the groundwork of the devil. Jesus said that the enemy comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But lies is the way that he uses to do all of this. And the thing about lies is the enemy does not come and he warns us, okay, now, Reuben, I'm going to tell you a lie, okay? Are you ready? I'm going to tell you a lie. No. When he comes to me and, and, and he wants to say that I'm worthless, he doesn't come saying, Reuben, you are worthless. He comes and says, I am worthless. Because he wants me to think that those are my thoughts. Those are my feelings. I am this. I am that. I will never be able to do it. I will never be able to surpass this. I am like this. I was born this way. I am. I am. I am. But those aren't even our thoughts. Those are the lies that come from the father of lies. And the Bible says that we need to be careful and understanding that we have someone at work that it, he will try to spread many lies about ourselves, about your life, about our church, about the world, about everything, because he just wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And the word translated here as schemes is noemata from the Greek, and this is the same word for mind. For thoughts. So the Bible is, is saying we're not ignorant about, about Satan's mind. We're not ignorant about Satan's thoughts. We know exactly what they are because they are the opposite of what the Word of God says about us, about the truth. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says, His goal is to take us away from Christ. And, uh, However, I'm afraid that as the snake deceived Eve by its tricks, so your minds may be somehow be lured away from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. This is his goal. This is what he wants us to do. Go away from Christ. But Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, keep your thoughts on whatever is right. Or deserves praise. Things that are true, honorable, fair, pure, acceptable, or commendable. And I've, I've learned this very young, at a very young age. Many of you know this expression. You can't keep a bird from flying over your head. But you can't keep it from making a nest in your hair. And that's exactly the same way it happens with our th- thoughts. We are able to decide what stays in our minds and what we need to reject. And we need to keep the good things in our hearts because the heart is the source of life. Imagine if everything that we said, everything that we shared on Instagram and Facebook or Twitter, imagine that everything that comes out of our mouths is some, are things that are pure and true and worthy, and commendable. Imagine that for this new year. But that's God's purpose for us. And lastly, and as Gabby was already saying before, we need to thank God for the unthankables. Thanking God for what you normally don't thank him for. In Romans chapter 8, 28, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those whom he has called according to his plan. If every situation in our lives is 
allowed by God, then he is using these situations to shape us, to be the people that he is making us to be. And that is also why we read in Philippians, the last passage of today, Philippians 4, verses 6 to 7. Don't worry about anything. But in all your prayers, ask God for what you need, always asking him with a thankful heart. And God's peace, which is far beyond human understanding, will keep your hearts and minds safe in union with Christ Jesus. Again, our hearts, our minds safe. Some people think prayer is like therapy. We can go and just vent and just be with God and complain about everything. That is why God is there. Maybe God is sitting in a couch somewhere because being, being just standing on a throne, it wouldn't be comfortable because we take so much time venting and complaining to him. But God is not inviting us to come to him and complain. He is inviting us to come to him and ask. Ask to him, what do we, you need? What do you need from him today? And the first thing we need to ask for is the right perspective about the issue at hand. Because we need to come to him with a thankful heart. If we are going to ask God for something, and I know many times we, God, take this away from me. God, take that away from me. And we, we think that is the solution. That's what we should be asking. But first, we need to ask God, God, what is the right perspective about this problem? What is the right perspective about this issue? And many times, uh, the answer that God is going to say is, my grace is su sufficient for you. My power works best in weakness. I'm not going to take that away from you. Psalm 23 says that I'm, gonna take your, I'm not going to take your enemies away, but you're going to have a feast in the presence of your enemies. When we are suffering, we don't feel like eating. When we are suffering, we don't feel like taking care of ourselves. But God is saying in the middle of those hard circumstances that we are living, God is going to take care of you. I, I see myself many times with Gabby just talking about the issues and the problems and, and things that we need to do. And at the end of the day, many times I admit I complain. Oh, why is it like this? Why are these people making our lives so hard? Why is this and that? And we end up venting when our attitude should be think thanksgiving. Thank you, God, because you are with us. Thank you because this is for our good. Thank you because in all of these things, we're going to see your glory. Thank you because you're taking care of our hearts and minds. We still have access to your peace and your love and your joy. We can minister to people out of the joy and the peace that you've put in our hearts. But we need to change the mindset. We need to change the way we see things. That's why when we're in trouble, and even our cousin that has cancer, and so many people that are suffering, we can develop a, a grateful heart. We can think, God, God, thank you that I'm alive today. Thank you that I have food to eat. Thank you that I, I could take a shower. Thank you for the clothes I have. Thank you for the work I have. You can go into your workplace and, God, thank you for her. Thank you for him. Even coming to church, oh, God, thank you for her. Thank you for him. We can develop gratitude. Even, even um, just these past days when... Um, uh, 
people, some a family that Gabby knows, uh, they're connected. Um, their 11-month-old baby is um, just from one day to the other became brain dead. All of a sudden, and the family is struggling. They're praying for a miracle, and they are believing in the miracle. But all of a sudden, life changes. And, and this, especially this past week, we are struggling with putting Jade to sleep. She awakes all the time, and, and especially Gabby, she has to wake up most of the times because I'm dead asleep, I'm useless at night. And she, and she pays the price to have a healthy baby. And many times, my attitude, and I'm not going to speak uh, of Gabby, but my attitude is like, come on, God, just, why can't she just sleep? Why can't she just be okay? But I have a baby that is alive and well. I have a family that I love and takes care of me. I take care of them. We have friends. We have family. We have food on the table. Why do I complain so much? And we need to develop a spirit, a heart that is grateful to God. Even grateful for the storms. Grateful for those annoyances and those Things that we don't even want to think about on a Sunday morning. But God, thank you for my life. And thank you for allowing these things to happen for my sake. For me to be the person you want me to be. Thank you for the hardships. Thank you for the difficulties. Thank you for the storms. Because I can see your glory today. And I know that I will see your glory in the future. I want to invite the worship team to come. And obviously, we want to give you the opportunity to start your year well with Jesus. Because we cannot carry on living. We cannot live another day just carrying the burden of our sins. Because with that burden, it's impossible for us to be in, in good terms with God. To be in a, a good relationship with God. And maybe some of you here this morning as we read the word of God, you can conclude with me that we need God in our lives. He was the missing piece. He, he is the one that is missing from our hearts to fix everything. And he needs to start somewhere. And God starts to work in our lives the moment we invite him to come in. God, I know that my life is not perfect. I know that I've tried to solve things on my own, but I want to invite you in. Come inside my heart and life and, and start cleaning up. Start making me a new person. Give me a new heart, a new mindset, new priorities because my ideas and my understanding is not working out anymore. And many of you need to take this step this morning. So if you've never gave your heart to Jesus, I'm going to be at the back. You can come to me. We can pray together and invite Jesus to come inside your heart. Do not leave this place as you came in. Do not start 2020 the same way you are leaving 2019. Ask God to be number one in your heart and life. Because as we read in the word of God, it makes the whole difference. You're not going to find peace in an empty schedule or a busy schedule. You're going to find peace in the son of God, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross to give you life. And this is the promise that God has for you. And many of us, that are walking with Jesus. We understand that there are so many things that are make our lives chaotic. And some of you are already planning on how can I simplify my life in 2020? 
How can I put some things aside? How can I spend more time with family? How can I spend less time at work? How can I do this and that? But more importantly, ask God to seek your heart. With the Holy Spirit's helps, take a good look inside and submit your heart to God. Be renewed by God's word this new year. Ask God to help you establish the right priorities that you need to establish. Ask him to be everything that you need him to be. And I can promise you, I can guarantee you by the word of God, there will be no lack of joy and peace and purpose and love inside of you. And I want to stop complaining to God how busy I am, how many things I have to do. God has abundance in store for me. All in reach of my hand, I just need to take it. God, thank you, because in Christ Jesus, I have everything I need. And he wants us to live out of the abundance of the good things that he wants to put in our hearts.